Hey everybody, this is Flavio Romeo and this is episode 9 of the Hawthorne Towncast. We're going to continue with Arts Month. We have two very impressive artists. The first is a pianist and a songwriter and a singer and just an amazing talent from town, Judy Kessler. And then we're going to move on to the Celtic Corner where we talk to Danny Flaherty. Uh, Danny Flaherty was actually one of the Chicago Seven. He was one of the seven in the Chicago Seven, uh, which has been nominated for Golden Globe, and the movie's been nominated for Screen Actors Guild Award. So you definitely want to check out the movie, and you definitely want to check out this episode. So everybody enjoy. Very happy to have Judy Kessler from Hawthorne uh, with us on the podcast. Judy, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me, Flavio. Yeah, this is uh, this is very exciting. It's uh, so so. You're a. I was looking at your website. You do a lot of stuff. Yes, I try to be well rounded and uh, work on various skills within musical realm. Yeah, and and there's a couple of terms that you threw out before we started that uh, I'm going to get to a little later. But <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about your background because you weren't born and raised in Hawthorne, right? No, I was born in uh, actually in Arlington, Virginia. Oh wow! Oh okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's very military isk. That's right. My father was a captain in the army. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so <laughs> did you were on the right track? Did you move around a lot, or were you pretty stable? He didn't do too many years in the army, although he's considered, you know, a veteran. Sure. Um, he he uh, went on to he's he was um, studying to be a dentist, and he ended up having his own periodontic uh, practice wow. uh, in Maryland. Once we, when I was like five, we moved to Maryland, and my father still lives there, actually. Well, you know what? If when you talk to your dad, tell him that everybody here on the Hawthorne Towncast says thank you for his service. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, no, I appreciate everybody that serves, whether it's the military, police force, fire department, ambulance corps, EMS, you know, whatever it is, anybody that's servicing the greater good of our society. So kudos to your dad. Thank you. I am proud of him for doing that. So you grew up in Maryland. And how old were you when you left? Um, I was 34. Oh, so you were in Maryland that whole time? Yes, absolutely. All right. You grew up in Maryland. How old, do you remember how old you were when it's like, oh, wow, I really love doing this. I really. Well, I grew up in a very um, artistic and musical family. My aunt and mother both uh, could draw and paint and play piano. And their father, my, what they call Zeta, my Zeta was a very good pianist, although he never had lessons. And my first memory is of him being very elderly and not being able to do much, but him being led to the piano and then playing some amazing ragtime piece. And we're all just standing around amazed. And I'm like very little and I'm reaching up, trying to touch a key. Oh, that's so, it's so funny because my dad, my dad was, you know, youngest of 13, grew up poor in Sicily and he had an accordion. And never, you know, never took lessons. He just sounded things out. And, you know, we'd go to parties when I was, you know, here in the States when I was growing up. And he'd take his accordion out and just start playing these old Italian, you know, old Italian sing-along songs, like Tarantella and all these songs. And it's it's great to have that kind of memory. That's so cool. Now, Zeta means yes. what? What is Zeta? Zeta is Yiddish for... Uh... 
um, her father, her grandfather. Grandfather. Okay. What's grandmother? Bubby or Baba. Baba. That's so cool. Yeah, we. we it's our, like babushka. It's like the babushka. It comes from babushka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Italian, it's nonna and nonno. Yeah, it's like, no, it's very nice, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, so here you are. You're listening to your, grand, your, your grandfather, your Zeta, and you're just completely impressed. And that's you felt you felt that. You felt that at that yes, age. and everyone played piano. My brother took a few years of lessons. My uh, And then my cousin Lisa, she who ended up going to, you know, the high school of performing arts in uh, the city. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she went She went there and uh, late, in years later and... Uh, Everyone could play something, and I was just dying to learn. Yeah. How old were you when you started taking lessons? I think I was around six or seven. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because depending on depending on growing up, you know how you grew up, you need a piano. I mean, now they yeah. have now they have electric keyboards and things that you could play online, even. But you know, you're growing up, and you, you have to have a piano to be able to practice. Right. So that brings me to my my Baba, my Zeta's wife, my mom's mom. She and her husband owned a used furniture store. So what do you think they had there? An old piano. And no. that old piano, yep. That old piano was in our house. That's, that's so cool. That's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you start mm-hmm. playing the piano, you're playing all through high school as well? Right. So um once I found the right teacher, when I was eight years old, we, we switched to another teacher that um, ended up being a very good fit for me. And she put me in competitions and auditions and uh, sent me to music camp in the summer to Interlochen Music Camp. Oh, and, Interlochen. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our daughter mm-hmm. went to Interlochen for, uh, yes. for performing like, arts. Yeah, it's interesting because you think you're, you know, you're, you're living your life as a big fish in a little pond and you go to interlock and you get like a reality check Yeah, because everybody's <laughs> gifted so amazing but it was very inspiring i was really thrilled with that experience how long Absolutely. did you go to interlocking for i was just one summer but i really you know it was life-changing it was i really understood yeah. that people that if you know talent isn't enough you have to work very steadily or you know Every day you have to treat it like, like, you know, it, it's your, it's your job. You know, and for everybody listening, it's, it's, that's everything. That's if you want to be good at anything, it takes work and it takes commitment and it takes dedication and it doesn't matter what you're doing. And it's something that you have to do every day. I mean, how much, how much did you, do you remember growing up how much you practiced each day or each week? I do. Um, well, I would say that I practiced at least two hours a day in high school, at least. And then in college, I practiced four to six hours a day. Holy cow. Four to six I hours. I remember in college, so you Where'd take... You go, where did you go to school? I went to Oberlin College, and they have, within Oberlin College, they have Oberlin Conservatory of Music. Oh. Really amazing place. Three stories, plus a basement. Not basement, like a lower floor. And every practice room and there were several hundred practice rooms each one had a steinway grand if you can imagine like the best As, and, and that's it was kind of, just and i remember that at interlocking it didn't interlock and they had these practice rooms and you went to the piano rooms and they had piano i'm looking well, like they had these glass doors with pianos in them yes you know it's a little different my experience with interlocking was that there were these little spinets you know like a like a very small upright piano yeah yeah and in those practice rooms, you know, just it was, it was. I remember having to 
to clean the keys daily because somehow a lot of dust would, a lot of grime would appear on the, so I had to always, otherwise you It's in the woods. You're brown, playing in the you, woods. What do you expect? Yeah, that's it. So like you actually get like little brown smudges on your fingers if you didn't do that. But it's one of those things that if you can make it at interlock and with those conditions, you can make it anywhere. It's true. So it's tell me, true. tell me, tell me about Oberlin. So Oberlin was the highlight of my life. Um, as far as an educational experience, just being around so many gifted and motivated young people and seeing how quickly they could learn music and put together recitals and musicals and opera. It was just incredible their level of um, inspiration. Were they composing their own? Yeah. In fact, there's one guy, Bob Spano, Robert Spano, who is like a very well-known conductor. Uh, I think he's in New York City now. He's he was he was there. I guess he was I think he was there for the undergraduate and perhaps also graduate program. But um, he was very well loved. Where's where's Oberlin? Oberlin, Ohio. It's ah, uh, OK. It's near. It's about half an hour from Cleveland. Music capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of the uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that where? Yeah, it is. Right. It's in Cleveland. Yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. So you went to Oberlin when you once you graduated. What uh, what was your journey after graduation? Well, um, so. So just just. To say that when I first went to Oberlin, I uh, I was trying to do the double degree program, which is you do something academic and you get a full degree for that, and you get a second degree for music. But I realized that to do what I to do the music on the level I wanted to do it, I I couldn't spread myself that thinly. So I got rid of the double degree and just went for piano performance and for pedagogy. So pedagogy is the word you mentioned in our previous discussion. Yeah, pedago- pedagogy. Yeah, pedagogy is the study of how to teach and pedagogy can be in anything but mine was piano pedagogy it was i learned from actually from someone who studied with she's like a disciple from shiniki suzuki and suzuki was wow the yeah, founder not... of the suzuki piano and and, and strings uh, education yeah and uh yeah, so she was one of those disciples, and she taught us all how to do Suzuki, how to teach Suzuki piano, and how to work with the repertoire, and how to approach the students, and how Did to you... hold their hands properly. And yeah. you studied yes. with Suzuki? No, I didn't study with Suzuki. I decided I studied with a person who's her teacher. That's awesome. Was working with Suzuki, with Suzuki. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the Suzuki method, right? That's what it's called. That that's the term I've heard in the past. Is yes, the Suzuki right. method. Correct. Oh, that's wonderful. Right. And that's where you develop your ear. And you that's the most important thing is to really hear the pitch and to hear the tone and make sure everything is singing. And uh, you have to, of course, learn to read music. But the first thing you have to do is to know how to physically approach the instrument. And there's a whole philosophy where there are books and books about it. So now, is that something, so that, was, is that, something that you teach? Um, or, I do or, teach. I don't have. I don't have the certification for Suzuki, but I have studied a lot of Suzuki and work with teachers who have, again, that very strong lineage to the original Shiniki Suzuki. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so here you are. You're going to Oberlin. You graduate college, and you're still in. You're still in Maryland. Did you go back to Maryland, or did you stay in uh, Ohio? Um, no, I actually I stayed in. I I didn't 
stay in Ohio. I, I stayed in Maryland and I got associated with the Music Teachers National Association of Montgomery County. And I would go to the, uh, I would go to meetings and be involved with various events that were happening throughout the school year. And I got to know other teachers and, and their methods of teaching and how they did their, how they structured their business. So, so for you guys listening, if you're interested in, in learning more about Judy, and we're going to continue on, but I just want to promote your website because you've got a beautiful website. Uh, Judy, Thank you. Judy Kessler Piano.com. I'm going to spell it. Judy is Judy, J-U-D-Y. Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R, Piano.com. And you'll see a picture of her beautiful smile and, and a lot of what you do. And as, as I was scrolling down, um, you know, it's not only piano lessons. You do vocal coaching. Correct. Uh, special needs music lessons. And, and tell me a little bit about that. Oh, the special needs? Or yeah, yeah, which? yeah. Yeah, the special needs. So special needs, I kind of fell into it about, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. I was approached by a a friend um, who told me that she had um, she knew of a mom whose son had Down syndrome and wanted to learn piano and was I familiar with teaching children who have special needs? And I said, no, but of course I'll try. And I ended up really uh, having a great relationship with this young man and um, taught him how to play piano and scales. And he went through a couple of levels of the music of the books and uh, the Alfred series actually. Aww. And he was quite a fine performer. He's just so smiley and he loved to bow and he was very social. And um, that was just a lot of fun working with him. And he was always like, I just look so much, my students perform throughout the year in these uh, events called workshops where they play whatever they're currently working on. It's not a big recital that once a year, big recital, but it's things that lead up to that and he was just always so much fun to watch because he was having a great time and he just took so much pride in what he was doing how did i mean that's got to make you feel amazing it is i mean whenever i see him around town i mean i just am so proud of him what he's achieved and uh knowing that it made his confidence increase dramatically and he also buoyed the spirits of those around him because he was so positive yeah that's beautiful so how did you end up in Hawthorne? All right, so here we now we're going to fast forward. You go through college, you're 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 studying, you're teaching. How did you end up back in Hawthorne? Uh, in Hawthorne, so um, well, I had moved from from Rockville, Maryland, in '97 to Wyckoff, and I was there for a couple of years, and then basically my rent went up. <laughs> <And laughs> That'll I do it. For a place that I could afford, and I actually remember that. I used to get my hair cut at the clip joint. There was this one yeah. young woman there that I used to love getting my hair cut there. Shout out and to I the thought, clip well, joint. Yeah, and I know also um, the Goffle Brook was so beautiful. I would like drive around Goffle Road and just, you know, look into it and see how beautiful it was. And I, they had a lot of different choices for, um, for rentals. And I said, this is a good place for me. So that's what I did. I, I began then. I've just been here, you know. I I really enjoyed it. My son went to school here. Went to Roosevelt Elementary and went to Lincoln Middle School and enjoyed the experience. The teachers there are great. So, when did you move to Hawthorne? 
I moved to Hawthorne in 2000. And to, oh, see, see, it's 21 years. You're you're officially a Hawthorneite. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So, you, so you, obviously you've eaten at, at many of the restaurants in town. Mm-hmm. A lot better than Wyckoff, right? Justin's, Come on. A, Villa Rosa. A lot uh, better than Wyckoff. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. They are awesome. They are really good. People come from all over to these restaurants. Absolutely. So now you're teaching in Hawthorne, now, and now COVID hits, right? Yeah. Um, tell me how so, that affected you. Right. So all my students were coming to my house, and um, it, was a, it was a routine that we're all quite used to. And this was back in March of 2020. Sure. And um, I didn't understand even what this pandemic was. I just It was something outside of my ability to think, really, <clears throat> something I could never have imagined. And I had to learn in one week how to teach lessons <laughs> yeah. on Zoom and Skype and WhatsApp. Amazing. And I did because it was like do or die, right? You have no choice. I had no choice. Yeah. And I needed and I really had a deficit of technological expertise, but this was a great time to learn. So that's what I did. I, I got I got used to it and my the students that have remained, I did I, I have to say a few students did drop because they only wanted in person, but I don't think anyone has enough money to teach an in-person lesson. And if what if that student gets sick and you are responsible? Who has enough money for that kind of insurance? Yeah. I don't want to be responsible for that. Yeah. So I'd rather my students be safe and I give them a great lesson. And what I do now, I do you want to know how I do these lessons? I do, online? absolutely. So first of all, make sure that my students have a good reception and I recommend certain equipment that might make things easier for them. Like I might recommend a certain tripod stand for them or how they might better um, use an external microphone or something like that. And so they can see me and I can see them and get the right angle. And um, when the lesson is over, I type out all the notes. I take almost as long as the lesson is to retype everything And I send it to them, and I put a very positive, fun message at the beginning and the end of these letters. And many times I'm scanning music for them, or I'm, um, or I actually, when it's their birthday, I always always drive by their house, and I give them a beautiful card and a little token gift. And, you know, I I do everything I can to make a connection, since I can't really see them for their lessons. But uh, I'm really fond of my students, and... Um, but they're getting older, and I would love to get some new students because before you know, my students will be graduating. Well, so let's talk about that. How young do you start working with children? I think that uh, a good age is around age seven when they are pretty comfortable with counting and basic reading, and they recognize um, different types of uh, patterns. And yeah, I would say. Well, they ha- and they have the ability to sit still and attend. That's very right. important. Yeah. So, so from seven to how old can you? Uh, would you no take a student? No limit. No limit. <laughs> no limit. In fact, I had a a woman that very talented. She was taking lessons with me. Actually, her daughter took lessons with me, and then the daughter stopped a couple years ago. And then the woman she wanted to take lessons. So. She's around my age, you know, and as it turns, and she had to take a little break now because her daughter, all grown up, had a baby. Aww. So, yeah, so it's incredible, you know, how things come full circle, but the woman's very talented. And it's, it's you know, I, I don't have a limit as to what age I would stop. I mean, if a person wants, all you have to do is want to learn and have either a keyboard or a piano. 
Well, and it's funny you say that because as you're talking, my mom, who passed away uh, the, towards the end of last year, mm, she, sorry. Yeah, she was down in Florida with my dad years ago, and she decided, I think she must have been 70, early 70s, decided she's going to take piano lessons. And, That's fantastic. And, you know, started taking piano lessons and, you know, started getting pretty good at it. She she had a little uh, a little organ that she would play. How uh, nice. And, of course, my dad loved it because he, just the same way that he played the accordion, he would just hack that organ and just start playing his little Italian umpa songs, which it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, so guys, listening, there's there's no age limit. I mean, if you have, it, no. it, it's it's tough right now with children studying at home. And, and I feel personally, having gone to, to art school and having a creative background, I feel that if, if there's an outlet for children to be creative and, and to release that energy in a, situ- in a time like this when you know, you're limited as to what you can do, um, to be able to express that through music, I think is phenomenal. So if, if I think you said that very well. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I, I, I truly believe that. I think whether it's sketching, drawing, building, playing, you know, just being creative. So I love that you've been able to work with your students remotely. I know how challenging that is. But again, I think that given the limitations of children not being able to go to class and socialize that way, to, to channel that energy create and, and, you know, creatively, I think is a beautiful thing. So, so what does someone need? I mean, what, what do they need to, if if someone wants, says, yes, I want to take piano lessons or I want my child to take piano lessons. What do they need at home? Did they need a full-size piano, a grand piano? That's a good question. So a full-size grand piano for the average person is quite costly. And, and takes up a lot of room. Takes up a lot of room. The most, here's where you need to begin. You need a keyboard that has 88 keys. So you have to have 88 standard keys. Standard key size, not those miniature size, okay. like, a, like in, a, in a toy. Um, but it should have 88 keys and should be what's called touch sensitive. And that means that the more pressure or weight you apply, the louder it will get. Right. So, so it replicates you... the sound of an acoustic piano. And it could be like a Yamaha or some of these electric keyboards, but you need to have 88 keys. Right. Yeah. Right, and exactly, and Yamaha is actually a great company, Clavinova, Yamaha, Roland, Korg, I mean, those are all great companies. Yeah, so, okay, so someone has that at home, and and if they... if They, they... should have a pedal, they should have a pedal, and it should have, here's all the things you need, you want to have a keyboard that's at the right height, so you need a keyboard stand, a keyboard, you need a bench that's the right height, um, meaning that your your elbows should um you should make like a like a, i guess i can say like a like a a right angle basically like a letter that's L. where your elbows should bend you know at the right angle gotcha okay and uh yeah and of course you need like a music stand yeah and so so if someone if someone calls you looks you up and by the way it's judy kessler piano.com k-e-s-s-l-e-r piano.com and, and you can look it's not I, I, I'd like to also talk on uh, or touch on your your vocal coaching because I noticed that, um, in addition to composing and songwriting, live performances, studio recording, you do vocal coaching as well. Can you talk Absolutely. a little bit about that? Well, 
Um, I took vocal lessons for many years, and actually I have a CD that is available for uh, purchase, and it's called Secret Words, and it's I'm singing all over it. <laughs> these, all these songs that I wrote, um, like nine of my favorite, strongest songs uh, with a studio band. It really came out beautifully. I'm really, really proud of it. That's awesome. And uh, it's going to soon be available on um, on Apple, uh, iTunes, and Spotify, and uh, Amazon, and uh so I'm I'm just waiting for certain certain things to settle in so that it can be totally accessible. But um yeah, so that's that's something that I did and uh yeah, I help people sing and help them articulate to work on their intonation and to work on their breathing and the their expression. Yeah, and Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say and, breathing is mm-hmm. such a such a a big part of it. I keep hearing that. Oh yes. Yeah. Talk talk a little bit about that because I think I, I don't think a lot of I, I think people underestimate when you're watching singers. Mm-hmm. I think they underestimate the importance of knowing how to breathe through mm-hmm. what you're singing. Mm-hmm. It's very important, and the trick is that you have to take a very efficient, quick breath in, and then you have to take a very carefully calculated slow seeping out of that breath yeah. over a period of time. And you teach And I that. have all kinds of fun exercises that help them get to that point. And also I, I, I refer them to a lot of really excellent um, videos on YouTube. I use YouTube all the time to help with my teaching. And um, if you watch someone like, say, Bernadette Peters, you can see, you can just watch how she's breathing and you can, you can get so much information from that, that plus the lesson in your you're going to be doing in good shape, you know? So, and that's, and that's something you don't need a piano. All you need is your face. <laughs> right, so you, and your neck. And your neck. <laughs> and so, your lungs. <laughs> so, so, you know, everybody listening, if you, if you have a, a, a child or you yourself want some, some right. coaching lessons and, and is there a particular styles of singing that you, that you teach or t- tell me a little well, bit I about would... that. Yeah, so I would say that um, for vocal repertoire, um, of course, Broadway, jazz standards, um, seasonal music, um, not so much for the rap, <laughs> although there are certainly a lot of songs in Hamilton that I'm able to teach and have great success with. Oh, nice. Yeah. Have fun. And Yeah, it's really great. And, um, and I don't teach opera i can i can accompany opera i can coach someone who is already doing very well with it but um i don't have the background to to give the technical uh supplement necessary for that foundation right but everything else i can totally handle and And my students love it they really love lessons yeah and and that's something you know all you need is a, a way to transmit, you know, video, whether it's Zoom or, or Meets or whatever you're using mm-hmm. and, you know, and be able to work with Judy online, you know, until. Yeah, until by this... the way. Yeah. So I was going to say, so what we do, in, you know, as you know, there's a lag. Uh, I'm sure you know, because you are in this field. Um, there's a lag. If I, if you and I were trying, if I was trying to accompany you on the piano and you were my vocal student, it would be a split second late or even more late than that yes so what i do is i find out what keith student needs their song in and i prepare a beautiful recording and i i uh i send i create a link and i send it to them and so during the lesson 
student just cues up that that recording and that's how we have a lesson i can hear i can listen to it and make little uh, critiques to help them oh that's so cool yeah, because and, how else can you do it? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because if you're playing and they're a step behind you, what good is that? Exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So, so judykesslerpiano.com. And, and I'm going to ask you, you know, is there any of, of the years that you've been teaching students, was there any, um, not, not, not to say that everybody wasn't special, but it, was there one particular student that, um, you know, has has continued to pursue their career and has has become a little more <clears throat> proficient and you know in, in that respect right so <clears throat> i have a student she's she's a graduate her name is tipora amster and i've been i worked with her probably three or four years and we've initially worked on piano technique classical piano technique but it quickly morphed into her love of writing her own songs oh. and she became so good at it I help, I would coach her before she would go to the recording studio. There was a, I know the recording studio here in Hawthorne, but we didn't know about that, obviously. Yes, so she absolutely. Was going to, yeah, but um, she went to Paramus and she was and she would spend months and months working on these beautiful tunes, and um, so so yeah, so she wrote her own pieces and I helped her and um, and she did a big concert actually at the um. At the a concert hall and Montclair's uh, Montclair University. Wow! And and uh, her pieces are actually for sale. She's ahead of me in that respect um, on iTunes, on Spotify, and so forth. She has all her stuff available. She's really, really good. And her music, her her particular, um, uh, her, I guess um, the essence of her music is spirituality through the eyes of someone who is Orthodox Jewish. And it talks about a lot of spiritual, interesting things and great imagery and, um, excellent poetry. Amazing. That's beautiful. So, and then, so, and she actually teaches piano as well. You, and, you know, she's really, really very accomplished. You've got to, yeah, there has to be a pride there. I mean, there has to be, not pride, proud, being proud of, of what she's, you know, it's, it's your student. All of a sudden she's, she, students are supposed to surpass their teachers. I always yes. felt that way. Just like, well, just like your children are always supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. surpass your parents. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's got to no, be I'm some so pride. I'm so pleased yeah. and thrilled that she's so passionate about it, and she's so good at it, and she's a very kind person. And one of the things she does in her community is she actually, I mean, not now, of course, with the pandemic, but she was doing this thing where she would bring her keyboard and she would do these these musical parties for it's called mothers and babies because there's a lot of uh, a lot of babies being born in her community and she would just do these wonderful pop-up performances all over her town that's so cool yeah she's an amazing person well if you don't uh, if you guys didn't get the impression judy kessler obviously loves what she does she loves teaching she loves music uh i love that you also do vocal coaching and so anybody that's listening, this is, this is a Hawthorne resident. You know, certainly when, uh, when COVID hit, everything changed. Uh, it, you know, it certainly became tougher for, for, for you, like everybody else. You know, oh, yeah. people dropping off. And try- yeah, I was supposed to play for a few different shows, and that didn't work out. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so tell me, what, what kind of shows have you played in? So I was supposed to play for Annie. 
uh, yeah. Hasbro Heights High School. Ooh. I was all set. I had a, I had everything all signed, ready to go. But then we, we went to two rehearsals, and then they said they just closed everything down, you know? Uh, well, maybe we'll have to have you uh, collaborate with Brendan Anthony, who wrote our theme song. Because cause I, I, I feel like this you know stuff is just going to develop as this continues to, to go on. And, and once the pandemic is over... You know, it's it's. There's just going to be people are going to be performing everywhere. Absolutely, we're all <laughs> chomping at the bit, right? right? Exactly, exactly. Well, Judy, I I thank you so much for uh, for finding us and and for for coming on the Towncast. Everybody listening, you know, uh, it's it's yeah. Obviously, we've we've been going through this. By the time this this episode comes out, it's almost a year. Uh, yeah, almost a year since this this pandemic started. And what what I do love is that people have gotten creative. You know, you get comfortable. You get comfortable in what you're doing. I know I did for many years in my job. And when things happen that challenge that, you get creative. And I think beautiful things come from it. Um, and, and I'm seeing that now just in town with, with, with these new new businesses that opened up foodie taxi stella and danny's you know some of these these new businesses that came out of the pandemic and and i'm hoping that um you know for everybody listening you know your children want to be creative i i think children in general are creative by nature i think they just they love getting a crayon and scribbling and they love banging on pots and pans and and I feel like Judy, you're you're the kind of person that can channel that energy starting at yeah. the age of seven. That's right, and I did want to mention that um, the first lesson is a trial lesson; it is free, so people listening should take advantage of that. I'm happy to them to try out these lessons and see if it's a good fit for their child or for themselves, and it will be at no cost to you. Look at this! I didn't even need to ask. I was going to pressure you to give something back to the community and you did it on your own. See this guys, this is a Hawthorne night. That's what Hawthorne's all about. Giving back to the community. So, so anybody that's listening, get on the website. You have an email on the website, right? They could just contact I you. Sure. Through the- yeah, actually there's a contact page. That's the best way. It's right. a contact page. So Judy Kesslerpiano.com, go to the contact page and say, Hey, if nothing else, I want my free lesson. I want it exactly right, and and you'll do that uh, virtually, or I mean, if someone's comfortable, I, do you go into people's homes socially distance? I'm not doing it now because no. you know we have our third wave. But I would, you know, when things get better, of course I will, you know. But or they can come to my home, you know. It's. Um, it's just um, it's, doing what's safe and responsible. Yeah, yeah. All right, so put this in your pocket. If you guys want a, a, an in-person lesson, put it in your pocket and and set it up for after everybody gets their vaccine, which is, is going to be happening in the next couple of months. So, uh, But if you want to do it virtually, they can do it virtually, right? Yeah, virtually is totally fine. And, you know, you heard her credentials. She's in town. And and again, I always encourage everybody to to support support your neighbors, support your residents, support your local businesses. And and oftentimes, I, I feel like oftentimes we forget about businesses that don't have a storefront. I mean, you you know, you're you're this is your business. You are a teacher. Yes, I've been. I I really spent my whole life working on this skill. Yeah, and oftentimes, if people don't have a storefront, they're like, ah, well, you know, it's not a business, but. 
this is this is what you do and and, and I, 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 <laughs> the IRS knows it's a business. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 everybody listening, go to her website, JudyKesslerPiano.com, and and send her a note, ask her a question, and and Absolutely. even even if it's not about piano and it's not about um, uh, vocal coaching, I know that that you work with uh, you work with students on on composing and songwriting, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're and I out, work with children with special needs. Yeah, so. I love that part. I love that part because again, I feel like you know there's that energy that can be released through through performing and, and through mm-hmm. through playing and learning learning an instrument. And it helps their self esteem because children with most children with special needs know that they're not quite like everybody else, and they want to feel as good as everybody else. They deserve to feel that way, and mm-hmm. I I think this gives them so many tools and such a it elevates their mood so much. That's beautiful. So, reach out to Judy. Uh, let her know that that uh, that that you heard her on the podcast, and she's going to give you a free lesson, and then you can figure <laughs> it out. Because you know, you made a good point earlier. You have to find the right teacher, and, and absolutely. And oftentimes, you know, people get discouraged when they go to a teacher, and it just it's not the right teacher, and then the kids get discouraged, and the parents get discouraged. And I know just in talking to you for the past uh, past few minutes that you you get it you get it with the kids you work you work well with them and and I encourage everybody to to reach out to Judy if or or even if yourself you want to take a couple of piano lessons or you want to take some singing lessons and and you know it's it's again it's supporting people in the community so. Judy, I There's re- one more thing I could say to you that um yes. that every every about six weeks we do a group piano uh, and vocal uh, workshop over Zoom. Oh, and tell if me. anyone would like to see what that's like, you can also use that contact form to reach out to me and I'll send you a link so you can actually see. The next one is gonna be what is the next one? What is today? Um it's gonna be um the fourteenth. It'll be Valentine's Day. At three o'clock. So, if you're interested in hearing my students perform and seeing the rapport I have with them, that's a great opportunity. Now, I'm hoping that this comes out before Valentine's Day. <laughs> we hope. But is there? Do you have? Um, do you record these? Are they? Are they available for people to look them. at? I do record them. So, if people want to see, you know, some some that you've done in the past, is that possible? Yes, and also on my website, you can see quite a few students performing that have that already recorded. It's right there on the website. You can see, um, I can. There's, there's two young boys who are doing a duet together. It came out really nicely. And I, uh, there's another young man. He's he's already doing his competition, and he's playing an amazing piece by Scarlatti. So you can really get a little taste of what the kids are doing, how much fun they're having. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Well, Judy, thank you again for coming thank on. You. Hang on, I'm going to sign off, but I want to say uh, I want to say goodbye to you separately. So, um, hey, hey, people of Hawthorne, I, I got to tell you, this is you know, it, I, I love I love doing these town casts. I get to meet new people, and I get to, to just you know to understand what they're doing and to and to talk about how much they love the community and that they're willing to give back. So, I encourage you all to go to JudyKesslerPiano.com. Ask her questions. Sign up for for your free class, and um, you know let's 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 keep supporting one another in town. Judy, thank you so much. Thank you, Flavia. I really appreciate it. All right, everybody. We'll talk soon. All right, stay tuned, everybody, because we are now going to talk to Hawthorne's own Danny Flaherty, star of the Chicago Seven. Hang in there.
We're at the Celtic Corner, right on the corner of Lafayette and Diamond Bridge Avenue. If you guys don't know where the Celtic Corner is, you need to get out of your house, okay? You need to get out, walk around, drive around. Celtic Corner, they still are open 25% inside the building, and they still have the back of the building. They have heaters. It's great. You can go right upstairs, play some, some video games at Billy's Arcade. Billy will take care of you. Let them know that you heard, it, you heard this on a Tomcast, and he'll give you a discount. But right now, we're at the Celtic Corner, and we are talking to, to actor Danny Flaherty. Uh, you may not know the name yet, but you're going to want to because right now he's got a big show on. It's, it's on Netflix. It's Chicago 7. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And, and I'm psyched because not only is he on the Netflix show Chicago 7, and we're going to talk about your resume, but he's the host of Trivia Night. Guys, they're doing Trivia Night at the Celtic Corner, okay? No place around here is doing anything. So, you know, they're trying to get people out of the house. It's still, it's very COVID conscious. They're still very safe. You can't shout out the answers. It'll be thrown out. <laughs> so, uh, so I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, I, I, so I wanted to talk to you because I'm fascinated by, by your background. You, you, weren't, you didn't grow up in Hawthorne. No, I grew up in Glen Rock, right next to Hawthorne. So tell me a little bit about your life growing up and, and when, when you decided to get into this business, into the show business. Uh, so I grew up in Glen Rock. Um, I always loved watching television. I was super, you know, I, I would sit and watch TV and say to my mom, I want to be in there, you know, I want to be inside the screen. Right, right, right. And uh, I was like obsessed with that, just from being a little kid. And Was there any, any particular show they were like, I gotta see this because I want to be that guy? You know what, no, I think it was just the excitement of the, the acting and the, and I just kind of got thrown into TV. I think it's because my mom was working a lot, she had a bakery, Backstreet Bakers in Glen Rock. My dad oh, nice. was also was working her? a lot. Yeah. And um, she was out of the house at like three in the morning. Yeah, I have three other siblings, so I'm the baby. What do they do? Sit me in front of the TV. Shut up, (laughs) you know. And it captivated me. But um, as a kid, I can't really remember. You know, I watched all the Nicktoons and blah blah blah. Was it was it um, one of your favorite shows? That if it's on, you'll stop and watch. I remember when I was a kid. My parents would watch The Sopranos, and I always wanted to watch it because I was like mesmerized by it. And I would sit behind the couch in the corner. How old are you watching The Sopranos? I I I must have been ten, nine, (laughs) ten. We didn't let Nina watch it until she was like eighteen. Yeah, really. See, so I'm like sitting behind the couch, like looking, and then like it would get a little bit more raunchy. And my parents would be like, "All right, that's enough. Go to bed. Go to bed." Or they yeah, catch yeah, me yeah. like sneaking down watching. That's so funny. And it was really funny. And um, yeah, I just remember how mesmerizing that was to me—the actors and how people can put on these characters and different stuff like that. So my mom actually ended up selling her bakery when I was ten or eleven, and um, she went back to Burn Community College to become a dental hygienist. Nice. They were doing a play, a Christmas Carol there, and she asked... At, BC, at Burn Community? At Burn Community College. Okay. And they were doing auditions, and she knew that, you know, I always asked her, hey, I want to be on the TV, I want to be on the TV. So she asked me, hey, do you want to, do you want to audition for a Christmas Carol? So I auditioned, and they already had a Tiny Tim, but right away they cast me as Tiny Tim's understudy. 
which scared the living crap out of me because I was like, if this kid gets hurt, I don't know any of these lines. It's like a week before the show that they casted me. <laughs> you didn't memorize any of the lines. <laughs> no, because uh, I was like, I'm not learning all Tiny Tim's lines. Like, what? Especially if I'm not going to do the show. Yeah, I was scared. But um, You're feeding him vitamins, keeping him yeah. healthy. But I, So I was cast as the, the kid at the end, basically, who um, Scrooge comes out and he goes, what day is it? And I go, oh, it's Christmas Day, sir. And he asks and throws me money to go get a turkey. And that was my first role, and I, 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 the excitement of it, just every you night, going, getting ready to go out and walk down the stage and yeah, just say yeah, my yeah. one line. And it was, it was really exciting. And I remember, actually, the kid who played Tiny Tim, he actually ended up breaking his leg. And I Did thought, you break his leg? No. Come on, I thought Did that. you want the role that bad? <laughs> and I thought that I was going to have to understudy. But he had a cast on and he did it on crutches and it was fine. It did actually, he really? Yeah, it actually worked Wasn't out. Wasn't Tiny Tim supposed to be on crutches? Exactly. <laughs> so it worked out perfectly. <laughs> and I just remember being That's so... That's method acting. When you get to that yeah. point where you break your own leg... I remember being so frightened that he's not going to make it and that I'm going to have to take over all his lines and I was so scared because I didn't learn any of them like I was supposed to. But I also had a, believe it or not, we had a British dialect coach That's at cool. Bergen Community College. So I learned to um, speak in a British accent there and from watching a bunch of Harry Potter when I was little. I mean, yeah. But uh, she was like, you're a natural. I was like, yeah, I've seen Harry Potter like 700 times. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so that's how it kind of started, and I, I was really excited um, after that. And the director of the play basically told my mother, like, "Look, he's really good at this. He's a, a natural. You should get him into, you know, other stuff." So she was really busy at the time. I was going back to school, um, but she's like, "Yeah, I'll think about it." Then it had to be not more than like a week after the play ended. My sister heard about this acting class on the radio on like Z100, and they were really? coming to Jersey. Um, it was called New Stars. It was like a, it was like this acting class for kids and adults, and uh, they go around the country. And the lady who runs it, her name's Stephanie, I believe, if I remember. She's like an agent from California. Anyway, you have to go in and audition for the class, and then if you pass the audition, then you're allowed to take the class. Okay. So we went to the auditions for the class, and I made it into the class. And my sister didn't, and she was devastated. Oh no, really? She was so devastated. And she's your older sister. Yeah. So being the younger brother, you can rub it in. Yeah, but yeah. my mom was my mom was actually happy because the class was pretty expensive, and she'd rather pay for one than two. I'm guessing. But um, so where was the class here in Jersey? Or in yeah, it was in um, where? What is that hotel in Saddle River? Oh, the Marriott? Marriott? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. the big Marriott Hotel right on Yeah, the one that's like a circle. Oh, that one used to be the Hilton. Yeah, yeah the Hilton. Yeah, it's changed names so many yeah. times. Okay. It was there, though. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was right. like four weeks and in the summer, and it was intro to TV and film, and it was like two days a week. Okay. And I learned a lot of stuff from there, and the lady actually said to my mom after the class is over, she's like, oh, we want you guys to come out to California, we want to rep him. And my mom was like, I have three kids, and I'm in school. F no, I'm not doing that. You know, she's my language. But yeah, she was like, no way. Um, so yeah, so we just started looking around the area for different managers around this area. And that's how we came upon my first management, which was Shirley Grant. She's Shirley in Teaneck, yeah. New Jersey. She founded the Jonas Brothers, Christina Ricci. She had um, a big she roster. Big, yeah. 
sadly she just passed um, about but she's been doing two weeks ago she was she was up there late 80s early 90s right 90s yeah Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah she's really well known she she was great to me and I'm still with um, my original manager there his name is Dave McCowan I'm still with him I'm still rep by him and um, yeah so they took me in and that was it I just they started sending me out auditions um I was going with my mom a couple times, but what I really started doing was I was going online by myself. Oh man, the phone! Is that your phone? No, it's the corner. You were going online yourself. I was going online myself and looking up auditions. So I was going on backstage and different stuff. And what I found was all these NYU films that needed young actors, student films. So I just and this is you're like 11, 12. I'm 12. Yeah, at this point, yeah. And I just, dude, I don't, I don't know so a lot bad. of twelve-year-olds that do anything but sit on video games and you know. I was just so, I was so full force on wanting this. So, so you took much. it upon yourself. So I took it upon myself because awesome. I, it was so much fun to me, you know. Yeah. So I did like nine, ten NYU films, um, and that was how I started my resume. And you know what? It was great because it was like free acting class. Yeah, I wasn't getting paid. But I was 12, You're I had a camera in front of process. me, I was learning everything, yeah. they were teaching me. I used to bug the crap out of these uh, these college students. They did. I would <laughs> ask them so many stuff. Can I look through the camera? What does that button do? How do you work this? How, how do you pull the focus? And were they, were they happy to... Yeah, and they were happy to do cool. it. Well, but, I mean, you're 12 um, years old, what are they going to exactly, do? Exactly, yeah. But yeah, I, I really built up my resume that way, and that was really good, because when I started going on these auditions for bigger things... They were like, oh, wow, his resume is pretty long. And, you know, it was just student films, but they didn't need to know that. But you know what? That's, <laughs> that's the thing. A lot, of, a lot of actors, they, they, they look down on, on student films because they're just student films. But it's like you said, it's, it's, it's exercise. It's exor- it's, if you want to you you be a bodybuilder, you've got to go to the gym. doesn't matter what gym. doesn't you matter what gym. A lot of people pay for these acting classes. And by the way, that is the loudest phone I know I have that ever heard so in my loud. life. We're right? sorry, listener. Yeah, <laughs> so um, obviously they know that you're here and everybody's calling. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing all these student films. Yeah. So it's great because like you go to a regular acting class and it's you with like maybe five other people in a room with one teacher and she gives you a script to read and you all stand up and do your monologue one by one, right? And, and those acting classes you pay like $200 for, you pay a lot of money for. And I honestly, personally, I think they are BS. Because if you can go to a student film, you're in front of a camera, you have a part, you have lines, you are actually working at that point. And that is the best class you can have. Not sitting in a room with five other students and a teacher telling you how to act. Going out and practicing and doing everything you can. That is the best class by doing. Well, yeah, and there's, I mean, in almost every every occupation, there's always that argument of, you know, do you do you, are you book smart or are you actually street smart? You know? Yeah. Are you out there working? Are you out there yeah. doing things? Or are you just learning about how to do things? And I have to say that there's, you know, there's definite benefits of, of classes. They teach you. you yes, know, there the is. I'm not saying they're all terrible. Yeah, yeah. But personally, but I just age, feel like. Personally, I just felt like that was the most exciting thing for me. Like, yeah. I did the classes, right? But then when I started finding these NYU films, I was like, wow, this is so much more fun. This is like what I want to be doing. Yeah. And um, I really think that helped grow me as an actor, being able to learn every aspect behind and in front of the camera from those students as well. 
because um, yeah, it just gave me a lot of insight in you know blocking camera wise. Yeah, yeah. You know, and actually, you know, it, it's so much different because I've done a lot more a lot more stage than the other, but it's it's. You know, especially because you're doing things out of order. You're not doing it in sequence. You have yeah. to remember, you as the actor, have to remember well, what led up to this particular part of yeah. the movie. And then, you know, where's my emotion from everything that's happened here and i got to come here. And the directors guide you through that, right? And yeah. They have an idea. Yeah, they have an idea of what they're trying to do. Um, and, they, I mean, every director I've worked with mostly has been on your side, obviously. And... Uh, you can ask him anything. Where, what is my character doing in this in yeah, this part of the story? Like, why am I in this why situation? Why am I standing on the edge of the you curve? Know? And if they wrote it, they better have the answer. You yeah, know right. what I mean? yeah, they better. If they're a good director, they'll have an answer for you. But, I mean, you, you do have to take that upon yourself as well. And, I mean, it comes from both sides. Um, but, I mean, you can sit for hours and talk about different type of methods and stuff. But just personally, for me, um, I found that doing was just the way that helped me um, create my own craft and my own way of acting in a way, I guess. And my thing is, it's all about imagination. You know, I loved imagining as a kid. Like my older brothers would be at school, and I'd be in my backyard pretending that there was aliens attacking and running around. And my mom probably thought I was a crazy person talking to myself. You know, um, and yeah, and just that being able to imagine and have that and you know and bring it with you as an adult I mean it's it's so powerful and it's so much fun and that's really what drew me to acting to begin with so guys so just so you understand some of the work that he's done uh, if you remember the TV show Leftovers I know you were in the TV show Leftovers yep Adderall Diaries which was a James Franco film yep right uh, the TV show Skins Law and Order Nurse Jackie and yeah. you were in the Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And you were you were in a bunch of episodes of The Americans. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually the FBI agent's son in that. So Stan Beeman's son, Matthew Beeman. Yeah, so I, I, I love that yeah. show. Now I got to go back and I got to check out the episodes. Yeah. The Americans. You guys know all these shows. I, you know, obviously everybody now has Netflix or one of these streaming uh, platforms. So you're familiar with these shows. You can go on IMDb. You can take a look at uh, at Danny's history and take a look at the projects he's been working on. Out of, out of everything that you've done to date, is there one particular project that you really enjoyed or a particular director or you know what, actor it's that you worked with? Because I feel like TV is very different than film. Yeah. Um, it's very fast-paced. It's, uh, you, can, you, know, you, get like, you don't even get a rehearsal probably. Just, like, you walk in, cameras are set up, action, go. You, you gotta know? be ready. So Americans was was very. Um, it, it was very entertaining to be able to see that whole side of it in a professional level, and that was one of my first big big shows. It was for FX, so um, that really stuck with me, and I learned a lot from that. How production. old were you when you started the Americans? I was eighteen. Okay. I just came off of doing MTV Skins. Um, we shot in Toronto. I lived there for. Oh, okay. Five months. Another Toronto guy. Yeah, I lived there for five months, and that was that was fine. But that was my first project, and it was in Toronto. It was more laid back, and um, it wasn't. I don't want to say it wasn't professional because it was, but like the, the standard once I got to the set of the Americans was so much higher oh, than yeah. an MTV production. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was just like everyone was so professional, so friendly. Well, it's and, like being on a film set when you're doing a show at that level. It's, yeah, 
Yeah. You know, you know, there's money behind these episodes, oh, yeah. so you gotta, you gotta be ready. Yeah. But yeah, that really stuck with me. I learned so much. But I have to say, um, I mean, the best film, my favorite, um, was the one I just actually filmed last year, which is on Netflix now, called Trial of Chicago Seven. Um, I play one of the seven um, men that are on trial. My character is John Freund's. And it's an Aaron Sorkin courtroom drama, right? So I don't say much in the courtroom, but I'm sitting at the table. And I had to sit there for the whole trial while we were filming. Yeah. So being in a room with these guys, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Franklin Jella, Mark Rylance, and just sitting there and watching them do their job every day was one of the most unbelievable experiences I've ever had. And that was like acting class also. You're sitting yeah. there, you're watching. You're watching. You watch- and you were just mesmerized. Just, oh my, it was unbelievable watching Mark Rylance act every day. Mark Rylance is just phenomenal. He's if you guys brilliant. don't know Mark Rylance, shame on you, all of you. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, oh he is God. such an amazing actor. Nicest guy I've ever met, too. He really? had like a, he had a little like hockey table thing, like, um, like those soccer games. Oh, yeah, like the little, uh, yeah, like a, almost like a foosball. Like yeah, a foosball, but okay. it was for hockey. And he brought it to set every day. And he'd Seriously? Play, yeah, and he'd be like, God, come on, let's play. Like, during breaks, he'd be like, That's come on, let's so play. Funny. And then he'd, like, he'd like make this play. And he owned the game, so he was so good at it. Yeah, right, exactly. Kick everyone's ass. And, uh, but it was so, so funny. He was like a little kid. He wanted to play all the time. Um, but yeah, just being able to watch these, these big guys do this, and obviously learning from Aaron Sorkin as well, who's just like a genius. Um, I mean, it is almost like you're sitting there watching a play. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, uh, we shot the courtroom in consecutive order, so oh, cool. it was like watching a play and you'd go in every day, and that would be the next day of the trial, and you know. Yeah, and for those of you that don't really. know what the Chicago Seven is, it, okay, so the Chicago Seven, and actually, my wife's parents were there at the oh, Democratic really? Convention when that whole thing happened. Oh wow! The that's Chicago crazy. Seven. It's so timely that this this the show this movie came out because the Chicago Seven. Is, is about the, the, the riots in 1968, I believe it was 68, uh, in Chicago during the Democratic Convention where, I mean, you had, you had Abby Hoffman, you had some of these biggest names that were just, you know... Bernie Davis, Abby Hoffman. And yeah, they were there to basically um, pro- protest the Vietnam War. Yeah. And they wanted to get in front of the cameras and protest it yeah. on TV. And that ended up not happening. A riot started. Yeah. The police came in, beat the crap out of people. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's it's not not much different than what happened a few months ago. Yeah, which is I crazy. Mean, yeah, it's funny because when we were making the movie, it was right before. Yeah, when would you the when Black Lives Matter um, movement? Um, we finished filming December nineteen fifteenth of the of nineteen two thousand nineteen. Uh, yeah. So December... It was like finished. three months, three, four months before the, the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, so we finished hit. December, and literally, like, then the pandemic hits the next month, the Black Lives Matter movement, George Ford um, gets murdered, and all of a sudden, all these things started happening, and we were like, wow, this is crazy. Because at first, Aaron Sorkin was like, I don't think anyone's going to watch this film. Who wants to watch another film about seven white guys, you know? 
Went on trial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in and, the 60s. Yeah, and then all this stuff went down, and then it was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is going to be so timely now. So timely. And it was just nuts. Like, you couldn't have, you couldn't have predicted it. Well, it I know it was insane. like number one, number two on Netflix for a while. Yeah. When it first came out. We had conspiracy theorists online being like, they see what Hollywood does? They make this movie on purpose. It's like, no, this is based on history. So it's already, <laughs> first of all, this already happened. Well, and it was already finished in December. Yeah, it was already finished. Yeah. And two, they've been trying to make this movie for 20 years now. So I don't think uh, Yeah, it's, it's, not, really it's not like something happens. They make a movie real quick, and two yeah. weeks later it comes out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's not reality. People are like, see, they were, the government was preparing us. Like, oh my god, <laughs> conspiracy nuts. Like, we did, we, this, none of this happened before we finished the friggin' movie. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. Uh, all right, so the most important question that I know the, the listeners are on the edge of their seat. You grow up in Glenrock, you get into the movie business, you're doing all this, this these shows, and then you move to Hawthorne. Yeah. Tell us about that move. Tell us what made you decide on Hawthorne. So when I was a kid, I would take the train to the city for auditions all the time. And my mom was at work, so I was like 13, just hopping on the train by myself. Right on Glen, Glen Rock, yeah, right? on the main line. Yeah, on the main line. The other, yeah. And, um, then Which, my, by the way, goes right through Hawthorne. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then my parents moved to North Hilden, um, and I moved with them at first. And I was taking the Hawthorne uh, station on Washington over there, right? Yeah. And... Um, me and my girlfriend were looking for apartments. We were looking all over. We were thinking of Westwood and, you know, all these different places. And we found the Hawthorne complex, and we were like, you know what? Like, this is perfect. It's right by the train. It's close to both our jobs. We can have the same kind of community feel that we want. We're not going to be jammed in the city or Brooklyn or something like that. Let's just let's just stay here. And um, I'm really happy I did. I love the town of Hawthorne. I love living here now. Um, How long have you been in Hawthorne now? I've been in Hawthorne now only for about a year and a half, so okay. not too, too long. But, um, you know, they're, they're, all these small towns are kind of the I same. Know. Hey, Glenrock, you know, Glen, I, so. I still remember when I was a kid, I used to take the train or the bus to Glenrock yeah. to go to the coin shop. Oh, that's So funny. that I could see, you know, what the new pennies were that I could buy and build my coin collection. <laughs> I have Which a coin is, collection, too. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, yeah. I bet you probably went to the same place. It's, now I think it's now gone. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good to hear because that's one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to preserve, you know, what we have in this town. Exactly. And, and, and Glen Rock. Great. And, you know, these little And towns. I used to come to the Hawthorne Theater all the time. We wouldn't like going to the other theater or the one that was on Route uh, 4. Remember when that was a the movie theater? Oh, yeah. That was the Fairlawn. By Fair Rutgers. You're talking about the Fairlawn? The Fair oh, the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one that's now Miller's Ale House yes, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That used to be a, <laughs> we didn't like going there. We liked coming to Hawthorne. And, uh, yeah, I've been going all, all the birthday parties, my friend's birthday parties. Absolutely. I've seen so many movies there. Um, but, yeah, just this town is great. I mean, you have great pizza. You have tasty pizza. Villa Rosa restaurant is great. Um, Some of the best food. pizzas in the yeah. area. Yeah, all this that food that I haven't really... Because I've been like stuck in the Glenrock bubble, you know? And then moving over here, there's all these restaurants that me and my girlfriend never really went to. And we just started uh, you know, going to Tasty Pizza all the time. We love it. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, if you, like, uh, if you like Middle Eastern food, Fat Moe's makes a great yes, shawarma. I've been to Fat Moe's. They make a amazing. great shawarma. I love Fat Moe's. Uh, and, and, and that's what we're trying to do is, is listen... If we if we can't support one another, 
and we can't support the businesses in these little towns, then they're going to go away. Exactly. And, and the one thing that I love, and, and we've had we've had people in, in uh, previous podcasts, and they talk about how, you know, the, the town council doesn't want Burger King, they don't want McDonald's, they don't want any yeah. of the big fast food places, the big chains, because. They want to support these people like a Fat Moe's yeah. and like a Tasty and Bill Keep Rose. those in the park. Don't bring them up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> move else. Go to Paramus. Go move to Paramus, <laughs> yeah. you know. Let's leave our little... Uh, people really little, want it, they can drive over there. Our little Bedford Falls here. Yeah. And actually, at the Hawthorne Theater, we had talked to them on one of the town casts. Uh, we rented out the theater last year oh, yeah. in December. They, they, if you want to do this, and this is, again, for everybody listening, if, you, if you're not, not aware of this... You know, they've been closed ever since it started. I know. It's, I mean, it's and, and we talked to them, and, and we said, listen, if, if, if you guys are... At, they, they just had to close down Maplewood. Same owners own Fairlawn Theater, which, oh, I closed, didn't know that. which closed. They own Maplewood Theater, which they had to close. And, and, you know, we said to them, listen, if you guys are struggling, you guys need help, reach, don't close down. Don't sell the building." reach out to the community and they said well one of the things that we could do is we rent it out to people yeah so we rented it out we did it's a wonderful life oh nice and we had like 27 people you know in a in a theater that sits 250 yeah you can fit 70 people and still maintain social distancing wow yeah which is what we did that's awesome so we spaced it out so people were coming at certain times and and it Free Coke, free pet, free popcorn. So we rented it, and we're we're thinking about doing another one in January. Oh, nice! I gotta think about that. That would that'd be awesome. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, you get a bunch of your friends. It's a minimum of twenty five. Yeah. And for twenty five people, it's two hundred and fifty bucks. It's ten bucks a head. Yeah, that's really not bad at all. And, and you can watch whatever movie you want. Yeah. You know, you bring the Blu-ray or the DVD. Yeah. And watch whatever you want to watch. Animal House on the big screen. Uh, I'd like to watch some Kubrick in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what we're gonna, you know what we're gonna do is we're thinking of either Casablanca, uh, Citizen Kane, bringing yeah. up Baby. We want to bring up some real classics. Some classics. Because yeah. you don't get a chance to see them on the big screen. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. when everything opens up, we're not gonna have a chance to see it on the big screen again. That's so. what I like when when I lived in Toronto. Actually, there was a theater around the corner from me. It was the, the TIFF Theater, actually. Um, it was like the TIFF Bell Theater or whatever. But they used to play all old movies. And I remember I was there for Halloween. They were playing um, Shining and then Clockwork Orange. <gasps> so I got to see them both on Halloween night at midnight. Yeah, we were there all night. It was amazing. Wow. We watched The Shining and then right into And then there was like a 10-minute break and then right into Clockwork Orange. That's great. Awesome. That's, yeah, I mean, to be able to see those old movies... Because you can't. You can't find them anywhere. And, it's like, and there used to be a theater... I don't know, you might be too young, but there used to be a theater in Ridgewood called the Rosebud Theater. Okay. It was a really small theater. It was probably the size... Uh, we're in the it's middle not room. The Ridge, it's not the Ridgewood, where the Ridgewood Theater is now, is it? No, no, no. It's, 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 you know when you, when you make the right off of Lincoln Avenue onto Godwin? Okay. And you come around and you go through that light by the train station? Yeah, so it was over there. Just before you go down under the trestle, it was on the left. I think there's... There's apartments there now, yeah. Yeah, and it was, I bet it was so small. Wow. And it had this great old sign, Rosebud, named after Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, and, and I saw Gone with the Wind there all four hours. Oh, wow. With, yeah, it was... It was a long movie. <laughs> yeah, that's great. But you know, to get to get a chance to see it on the big screen, so keep that in mind, and everybody listening. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind. Rent out the theater and and, and open it up How to about the, the business? community. Yeah, exactly. So so keep an eye out. We may be doing that. 
COVID hits, obviously puts the brakes Everything's on. done, so. And it stunk, obviously. Um, I wasn't hosting trivia. Actually, this is the only trivia that I host now. All my other trivias are still canceled. Really? Yeah, so Celtic Corner on Monday at 7.30 is the only... Um, Monday's at 7.30. We're going to stay. Yeah. It's, it's almost 7 o'clock now. We're going to stay the extra half hour. And uh, and we're gonna join you for for your trivia. That's now. great, thank you. Yeah, but, so yeah, so COVID hit. So um, not just that, but also I, I just came off of doing Trial Chicago Seven, so I was looking to find a new agent, and uh, me and my manager were, were gonna try to make these moves. And COVID hits, and then nothing, no auditions, no anything. And it took months and months. I mean, all summer there was nothing. And then when it finally did come back, it was a lot of voiceover auditions. But even then, they wanted you to have your own setup at your house. Studio. Yeah. So, because they don't want you to come in, and it's way cheaper for them. And that kind of hurt, I feel like that hurt a lot of people, chances, like me, who I don't have space in my apartment to set up a, you know, soundproof, whatever. But, um, and I feel like it's way cheaper now that... Just forever, they're gonna just have people it's, do it with their own yeah. home studio. And this is it's it's it's, it's like a the new very thing. slippery slope. I know, and I feel like that's scary to think about. Cause it's like, well, am I never gonna get a job until I put two thousand dollars into the soundproofing and making a studio? You yeah. know, it's like. Well, and, and here's something that you could relate to. You know, being a SAG actor, I loved getting the screeners. Yeah, I loved it. I always looked forward to getting the mail and opening up the screeners oh, yeah, and getting the, the little the little posters for your consideration. Yeah. Now everything's online. Yeah, everything's you get an email saying, "Hey, screen this," and I can guarantee you that they're not mo- going to send them out anymore. And and no one's, you know, not as many people are screening them. It's funny because the only people that um, the only people that sent me screeners last year was from Netflix. Oh, and really? They sent me like the Stranger Things DVDs, and I was like, "Well, I don't need this." <laughs> <laughs> we can watch that on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it was really funny though, and I, I noticed that. Yeah, it's all online now. It's crazy. Well, and the other the other thing that I'm really worried about is, and I, I have a friend of mine is an editor out in he's in, he's in Paris now, but um, you know we we grew up in Hawthorne, and he's you know big film buff as I was, and the fact that they released. Uh, Wonder Woman yeah. on HBO Max. I I think that sets it's scary. a pretty scary precedent. Yeah, because I, I just I'm worried. I'm yeah. really I'm concerned about. That. Well, it's funny because they did it with Mulan first, right? Yeah. But you had to pay the extra thirty dollars on Disney Plus, right? Then HBO Max comes and says, "Oh, well, we're going to release all our movies this year for free." Yeah. And then what does Disney go, you know, do? They release their Pixar movie sold for free. Yeah. So and then like, and then what does Peacock do? What does NBC do? Oh, we're gonna have Peacock streaming, and we're gonna take all of our product back. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But to think about that is, well, yeah, they're gonna release in theaters, but no one's gonna go to the theaters anymore. If HBO, if Warner Brothers is releasing all their twenty-one movies, two thousand twenty-one movies on HBO Max, who's gonna go to the it's theater? Scary. It's gonna ruin the internet. It's completely. And, and COVID has completely ruined the. And there are those people. Like me, you, I'm sure, who love going to the theater. We want to go see a movie, but there's also a lot of people who are like, "I'm not going to pay the fifteen dollars." What? I can pause it. I can go to the bathroom. Yeah. Shame on them. Shame on all of you. (laughs) Well, that's what Christopher Nolan was trying to do when he when Tenet came out. He was like, "No, like I'm not putting it on demand first. Like I'm only putting it in theaters. This movie should be seen in the theater." Yeah. And with his movies, a lot of them, it's it's the sound. He uses crazy sound and. 
uh, you can't get that experience at home. No way. You can have the best sound system. You're still not no, going to get that I mean, experience. Are you going to watch Bohemian Rhapsody on your little, you know, your... <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I've got a 55-inch. Yeah, so what? So what? Not, and and the other experience. part of the theater experience is, and we talked about this when we uh, interviewed the guys from, from the Hawthorne Theater, is there's something special when you're sitting there, the lights come down, the trailers come up, you shut your phone off, put it in your pocket, stop mm-hmm. looking at your phone, get off your iPad. Because when you're at home, you know, you're watching it, it's like, yeah, I can hear yeah, it. Yeah, then you, you take your phone, your phone out. Yeah. And, and you're just, you're taken out of it. My girlfriend does that a lot. And I go, Steph, are you even watching the movie? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I'm like, oh, my God. Ah, it's so annoying. It's <laughs> so annoying. And, and, and the theater, and, you don't even think to do that. No. No, it's, it's, it's an you're, experience. You're captivated. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, that's what captivated me as a child. I, I loved going to the theaters. You know what's funny? I remember um, one of the first movies I saw in the movie theaters was Prince of Egypt. Oh, really? It was one of the first films my parents took me to go see the That's theater. That's awesome. Which is really funny. So you still just, have that memory. I just have that memory. And I just, I, it's just so funny to me. See, my, my memory goes back to Hawthorne Theater. My visual memory is the Poseidon Adventure. Okay. The original one. Yeah. And it's so funny because someone posted on one of the Hawthorne community boards a photograph, of, like an old photograph from, from the 70s of the Hawthorne Theater, and it had Poseidon Adventure. Oh, no way. And I remember this was a movie that... That's awesome. That's I'm, so I'm in the... I, I got goosebumps thinking about it. It just... I was on that ship. I might as well have been on the Titanic. That's that. I was on the ship. You were there. Yeah. I was holding my breath. Shelly Winters is dying, and I'm like, <gasps> come on! I went back the next week in hopes that Shelly Winters would make it off the other side, and she didn't. <laughs> and 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 you, you know, surround. I mean, this is in the '70s. We grew up with movies like Towering Inferno, yeah, uh, Earthquake. When they had you know sense around, you know, and and it, you know now it's it's surround sound, but back then it was like. When there was an earthquake, when the earthquake hit on the screen, you guys felt the like entire theater shook. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. How do you do that at home? Yeah. You don't do that. No, at you, home. Don't. you don't. You know, so, you know, I, Danny, I can't thank you enough. And again, we're at the Celtic Corner, 7 30, Monday nights. Come in and see Danny. I'm going to encourage him to bring in some, some of his, his 8x10s. So that he can sign them for you guys. Come up <laughs> yeah. and get an autograph. This is like hey, that's funny too. I don't, I don't even use those anymore. That's right. It's all digital. It's all digital. All right. He will <laughs> digitally send you an eight by ten. A DocuSign. Yeah, a DocuSign. See, I use that too to sign everything now. The I know, app. So I don't even go to sign things anymore. It's. I don't Sorry. like it. It's so sad. <laughs> I, there's going to be it's going to come back it's going to come back around and there's something about auditioning in a room that like is so much different than self-taping a lot more energy and yeah and you, you just feel it so much more when you go and, and I'm really sad that that's kind of halted a lot of these actors because sometimes you find the magic in the room when you're in there yeah and those nerves really help you explode it fuels you it fuels yeah. you yeah and then at home it's like uh, it's like watching a movie at home. Oh, I could take my phone out. Yeah, I can lay from the waist it. down. I could be in my pajamas. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. It's totally different. I mean, it, 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 in a way, it it helps as a performer. It helps you create new skills. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends. I mean, I do like I do like auditioning at home because I can really work on something a lot. But yeah, you don't. You just don't get that same energy. Yeah. Which well, is, you walk in. You've got you've got. 
the director, you've got the writer, yeah, you've got three or yeah, four other people. Yeah. And and you've you know and I mean, like you said, you take that nerve, that nervous energy, and turn it into put it yeah. into your performance. And just meeting people in person is a way different experience than I can't imagine if I was a casting director and I had to sit through all these tapes. Uh, there's, there's probably somewhere they get like. 30 seconds in and they are the next person you know they probably don't yeah. even give people a chance sometimes which is just scary to think about yeah but. yeah it's 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 changing but I think there's going to be some blowback I think I think you know I'm hoping that theaters like the Hawthorne Theater you know what I don't care if the big megaplexes the 20 plexes the yeah, 24 I mean, plexes go out of business yeah. I get it a lot of money involved a lot of real estate big leases but when the small theaters start going out, it's like the small bookstores. Yeah. If they start going out, it's it's you know you start. It's a breakdown it's in the little yeah. community. So, so the hope is that exactly. that we keep things going. And and my hope is that once this COVID thing lifts, your next film we're going to be able to screen at the Hawthorne Theater. Yeah. Possibly. Hey, dude, why don't we just watch Chicago Seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watch that on the big screen. <laughs> you got to sign into the Netflix account. On the- and they project it and stream it. Uh, Danny, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much and, for having and me. And I wish you much success in your future. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to you know, seeing you in future projects. And again, guys, come down to the Celtic Corner. You guys know where it is. It's Lafayette Ave and Diamond Bridge Ave. If you come down on Monday night, 7.30 is Trivia Night. Make sure you stop by. Say hi to Danny. And you're supporting a local restaurant. So. And you're supporting the local restaurants. Exactly. Uh, say hi to Danny. Tell him you heard him on the Towncast. If you have any questions or any comments, you could always write it at comments at thetowncast.com. Uh, you know where to find us on Facebook. And, uh, you know, come down and support your local restaurant. Come down and support sure, yeah. Celtic Corner. Danny, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, listeners.